Some viewers may find the following video disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. It's 4 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 6 o'clock in Chicago. And it's 7 p.m. here in New York City. Hello, everybody. This is Mad Dog the Scipio on a very special night with a very, very special guest. But joining me this week, as she does every week, I swear to God, I try to get rid of this woman, but she keeps making her way back. How the fuck do you get in this place? I got a secret room, and I got to tell you. (laughs) Ah, Mad Dog and the Pitbull together again. Amelia. The Pitbull Chapman. How are you, kid? Thank good. How are you? No, I have to tell you, God bless you. You're a saint. I, I bust your chops each and every week. And uh, and you, you just sit there with a smile. And <laughs> this was she's a wonderful woman. She gave me an amazing gift, Ronnie. She bought me a guitar for my birthday. My birthday was Monday. Wow. And happy, she, birthday. happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you, Ronnie. <laughs> and our special guest. On this special evening is television and film actor Ronnie Marmo. He is not only an actor, but he's a writer, producer, and director, and a hell of a writer. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about some of his writing tonight. Oh, we got to do the applause. Come on. Where is it? Oh, you want the yes. applause? Yes. Oh, man. You threw me on the curveball here. <laughs> That's just oh, yeah. There you go. Hey, I'm a soap opera gal. You have to do it for him. Come on. Absolutely. Now, Thank see you. if you had so- said something 10 minutes ago, I'd have cued right. it up already. Yeah. <laughs> you had that one coming. Your timing <laughs> sucks, lady. <laughs> Ronnie Marmo is here because he has embodied one of my heroes in life. And I, that's not a, a, by any stretch an exaggeration or an understatement. I am, if you watch the show and you listen to us around the world, I am a huge, huge Lenny Bruce fan. And Ronnie did something remarkable. He brought Lenny Bruce back to life in a one-man show called I'm Not a Comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. Directed brilliantly, brilliantly by Emmy Award-winning, multi-award-winning actor Joe Mantagna. Uh, You know, um, Joe, you worked with him. On, uh, oh, yeah. on the, the Criminal Minds, is that what it is? Well, that was one uh, project we worked together on, but I've known Joe now. God, I, it's got to be almost two decades, and we've worked together quite a bit, and uh, he's, he's, a, he's a really special guy. You know, he's he is a remarkable guy. i tell you what I did, and I, I, don't, I don't know if, uh, if anyone told you. I sent an invite. I said to Janelle, I said, look, here's an open invite to Joe Montagna if he wants to, you know, piggyback with ronnie on the show i said we're open to it uh i love him. he's a hell of an actor yes um let's talk a little bit about you i want to introduce everyone to you this is ronnie marmo 
as Lenny Bruce, and I'm not a comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce. And tell everybody a little bit about Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce paved the way for counterculture comedians like Mort Saul, Maury Amsterdam, and Fat Jackie Leonard. His trials for obscenity was a landmark of freedom of speech case in the United States in 1965. And sadly, Lenny passed away August 3rd, 1966. In 2017, Rolling Stone magazine ranked him third behind George Carlin and Richard Pryor on its list of 50 best stand-up comics of all time. I would put him, quite frankly, um, either number one or number two, Ronnie. Where would you rank George, I mean, uh, uh, Lenny among George and Richard? Well, I, you know, to me, he's, he's number one, maybe not because he was the funniest of the bunch, but because of how important he was. I mean, in my opinion... He directly handed, he directly handed the microphone to Carlin and Pryor with his passing, and so I often wonder what George Carlin's career would look like had Lenny not passed away. So, in my opinion, Lenny's number one. I think out of the three, Pryor was the funniest, and I probably liked Carlin the most. So it's a it's a funny thing because all three of them are incredible comics. You're absolutely right. Yeah, Lenny. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I love George because I'm a cerebral kind of guy uh, and I like quick wit. And then George was just a quick wit. Richard Pryor, however, just was just fucking funny. He was the funniest of all. Yeah. Anything he said or did was fucking hilarious. (laughs) And I'm, I'm proud to say that I was friends with his daughter, Rain, for a very long time. Yeah, she's a friend of mine. We, yeah, we had a falling out. Tell her that you know me. Okay. Well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? You no, had a it's not out. a bad thing. I was, uh, I, she was a friend of mine for, for quite a bit. Um, nice. I love her still. I still like her. Yeah. Um, I haven't talked to her in a long time. She's wonderful. Um, let's talk about this. Uh, you know, an actor, once in a while, you comes across a couple of things that define him. Uh, you have, a couple of things that define you, your ability to write, you're an amazing director, you're a class A actor, and you have the ability to not only to create, but to recreate with mm. almost precision perfection, the figures like Lenny Bruce. Now, when I saw, uh, and I was fortunate enough because I actually have a video of the entire performance that was snuck to me. Uh, and I have to tell you. Hey, who snuck it to you? Who <laughs> hey, Mad Dog, I want names right now. <laughs> but I will tell you that I laughed. I cried. I was, I, my fists were you know, up in rage. And I thought to myself, if, if this man, Ronnie Marmo, can evoke that kind of emotion from me, imagine what Lenny did to people. Mm. And you were amazing, brother. I mean, you were amazing. Thank you. What did it take for you? Yeah. What what process? Actors have, and we've had a lot of actors on the show, Ron. I mean, a lot. Amelia, tell me. Yes, we have a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but we've had few actors of your caliber Mm. that can redefine and re reinvigorate a character especially one that's been gone for so long lenny died in 66 that's a long time ago ron mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so how do you breathe life 
into into a guy like that who a lot of people don't know yeah it's wild first of all thank you for all those kind words i appreciate that i um it's really nice to hear uh you know look i i'm, I'm very fortunate i i found a, a subject in lenny who i i love and uh and i wanted to tell the whole story you know i, I didn't want to just uh just make it a love letter to Lenny. Although if you've seen the show, which I think is a little shaky, I don't know how you saw that mad dog, but we'll get back to that later. <laughs> Listen, I, yeah. I want names before I go to sleep tonight. But anyway, uh, 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 I, um, you know, look, I'm, I'm very blessed to, to have something that I identify with so much, uh, not to get too spiritual on you, but I, in some ways I feel like I'm continuing a fight for Lenny that he didn't get to finish, you know? And, and so when I'm on stage, well, you saw, I mean, when I'm on stage, I, I give my soul over to Lenny and to to his fights. And uh, it's so it's so cool as an actor to have something that you love doing so much. Yeah. And you're pretty good at it. And other people care about it. So that because, you know, it's hard to get those roles sometimes. And so that's critical. Oh, man, did you open up a Pandora's box? Yeah. That people care about it. Oh, yes, they do. You know, um, lately in the last few years, uh, thanks to shows like uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Mm -hmm. uh, with, uh, you know, bringing up the Lenny character again, uh, and your show, of course, and uh, people paying tribute in their, you know, and sometimes, you know, crude way, but in sometimes very loving and humble ways, paying tribute to Lenny. Uh, with one-man shows or ensemble pieces. Um, the guy, and I absolutely agree with what you said, uh, you know, the guy uh, didn't have a chance to, to finish his fight. Yeah. And I think it's critical that we that are left behind here finish the fights for him. One of the things that that I'm doing is, and, and Amelia and I, and uh-huh. with our show, is... We are adamantly staunch advocates of free speech, the First Amendment right to free speech, and so much so that we've dedicated entire shows to free speech. Lenny was trying to do that in a time when if people think they're being suppressed now, well, if you lived in 1963, four or five, man, you don't know what suppression is today. Well, no doubt. And let me tell you this. I mean, certainly I'm sensitive to comics who feel like they're being canceled or they're being suppressed with their words. But it is not the same thing. I mean, this man went to prison for words and was arrested and hounded. And I, and I think ultimately, talk about getting canceled. I mean, they canceled him. They killed him. I mean, they hounded this man. Yeah. And I think today, comics... Yeah, there might be a group of people who don't like what you do, but you could still get an entire other group to come see your show. And so I think it's a little different. So, yeah, you're canceled by a group of individuals, but there are still people who can make a great living doing this. And so free speech is certainly important, and I I think everybody should have it, especially comics, especially comics. But uh, Lenny, was that, that whole thing in the 60s was a very different situation. Yeah, they. I'll tell you what, I've said this before on a show. I was part of a roundtable on Lenny, and what I uh, basically said was the man was martyred by his government for the words he believed in, and he adamantly and staunchly 
believed in his words. He oh, yeah. believed in his right to speak those words. Absolutely. At, Absolutely. at a time when, you know, nobody wanted to hear it, quite frankly. You know, the people, the powers that be, they don't want to hear any of that stuff. Yeah, but you know, you know why? Forbid, you know? You know why, Mad Dog? Here's why they didn't want to hear it. Not because it was the words themselves. In my opinion, doing so much research on Lenny and, and learning so much, I think they were afraid of him because he was the smartest guy in the room. And 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 that's yeah. what it was about. He held a mirror up to society and he examined things and wanted to talk about things. And they, they didn't know what to do with that. And so I think it was less about the words and more about like this man is like, you know, he, he's examining things and he's looking at things and he's uh, challenging the norms. And they had a problem with that. Nobody. Was well, he scared the shit out of them, Ronnie. Yeah. So that that's oh, what he did. Really for real. They were frightened by him, you know. Oh, absolutely. Milia. Yeah. Ronnie Morrow is up to bat for questions from the pit bull. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much again for being here. And uh, I noticed that, you know, you put yourself into it, but I know you put yourself in the character. How different is it from going from a soap opera to doing your one man show? Uh, wow. Well, it's an interesting question. You know, in some ways it's similar in that, you know, in a soap opera, they're banging out so much product, uh, constantly that you only get one take it's very much like a play you get one take it's a very different thing though you have seen partners when you're up there by yourself in a one-man show and uh and when you start the play literally dead naked on the toilet i mean that's how you start the show literally and so it's a very different thing there's no safety net there's nowhere to hide it's just you and an audience and i've done this audience i've done this show to an audience of one and I've done this show to 1,500 people. And it, it's it's a wild, and everything in between. And it's a wild experience. Being on a soap was awesome and very challenging. And I uh, spent three years on, on General Hospital. And I was, uh, it was cool in a way because like, it made me a better actor because you really forced to learn so much material the day before. You come in, you bang it out. And really they don't have time to stop and do another one. So. They have some similarities in that they're both a huge challenge, but being on stage by yourself is it's a whole nother thing. That's scary shit, Ronnie. <laughs> it's a little crazy. It's scary a little stuff. Crazy. Ronnie Marmo is an award-winning actor, writer, producer, and director, and in fact, was directed by an Emmy award-winning actor and director, Joe Montagna. You've known Joe a long time. How yeah. did Joe Montagna become involved in the Lenny Bruce Project? You know, when I wrote this, I had been thinking of Joe to direct it for a long time. And I had mentioned it to him a few times and he was aware of it. But uh, once I got it to a place where I thought, <clears throat> OK, it's very close to wanting to workshop it. In other words, stand up and start rehearsing it and see what's working, what's not working. I called Joe and I said, Joe, I, I wrote this thing, the Lenny Bruce show, and I'd love you to take a look at it and see what you think. And he's like, well, why don't you just perform it for me and I'll see what I think. I said, just before he's like, yeah. So I just literally stood up and I read the thing for him. And uh, it was, it was exciting. And Joe's like, uh, I think he said something like, this is the real deal. I'm in. And I was like, you know, So Ronnie, did you read, uh, did you read off a script to him or did you read a treatment uh, or, or a box outline? What I read the script that I had at that time. It, it definitely evolved. Joe was very instrumental uh, early in the process, uh, when we got into rehearsal, the first few weeks, there was a lot of table reads and Joe would say like, 
why don't we move that, you know, page 30, let's move it to page five. I think, think about that. So we, he helped me a lot at the end. He took, yeah. you know, I'd like to say he took it the last 10 yards before, before we went into production, you know. It's interesting when you're talking about table reads. You, you, I've been around television and film for quite a long time. You know, table reads, uh, if, for those of the people watching and listening don't know, generally seven or eight people around the table, maybe ten, all reading their parts. And uh, a table read with the, the star of the show and the director is pretty intim- intimidating. <laughs> I'll get this out. Intimidating. <laughs> Uh, two right. people at a table, the uh, the writer slash star of the show and the director. Well, it was it was worse than that. You ready for this? Go ahead. I was standing up on stage and he was sitting in the front row watching me. So oh, for crying out loud. I'm, <laughs> I'm standing up holding the script and he was just yeah. watching. And so uh, it, it was intimidating. But you know what? It was also uh, exactly why I'm in this business, you know? It, 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 you know, it's yeah. when you're in a position like that and you go, it's Joe Montana. It's one of the greatest. Absolutely. One of the best. Yeah. So, so you do one or two things in that situation. If you're an actor, yeah. Yeah. you either fold up and run away or you grab it by the neck and go, this is, I'm going to be better because of this. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. You go balls to the walls <laughs> or you yep. go home. Yeah, well, luckily, sure. gentleman, though, he makes it really easy. I Ronnie Marmo acts as the artistic and theatrical director of the prestigious Theater 68 and both Los Angeles and New York locations. Ron, um, how did you get involved in, uh, in Theater 68? I know a little bit about this group. I love the story, how he became, how he came up with the name. That is Bite your tongue, people. <laughs> oh, that's, that's... I love it. Tell the, yeah, tell the story. You tell it. Go but... ahead. Well, I think it was, uh, he had only 68 cents left in his pocket and they were wanting him to come up with the name actually. And he's yeah. like, theater 68 is a company, theater production, because he only had the 68 cents. Is that, is am I kind of like in the middle of that? It's very close to that, but yeah. that's, that, that's the sentiment of it. Yeah. You know, theater 68 was started, we started it back in February of 2001 and I was a co-founder. So there was a couple of us and I became the artistic director pretty quickly after we opened it because, you know, literally none of us had any experience. So they would be like, Ronnie, you pick the plays. My friend Danny had a hammer. So he was going to be the set designer. Yeah. Like literally this is what it was. <laughs> and uh, they trusted, they trusted this crazy brain. I, I had a, I have a combination of like art and business, like right down the middle of my brain. And so they were like, Oh, pick the plays and we'll produce them. And that was 22 years ago. And, and I did it out of a necessity because I was broke, as, yeah. as Pitbull just mentioned. I was broke, completely broke in L.A., but wanted to study and wanted to get better at acting and working. So I brought all my friends together and we would like do scene work, critique each other and just kind of stay, stay sharp just in case an opportunity came up. And so, so that's how we opened in L.A. And then about, I guess, about 10, 11 years after that, I thought, well, let me bring this back home to New York as well. And then I opened the New York chapter. And we're still going strong. I'm, I'm so proud yeah. of both those. And they mean the world to me. So I love success stories like that. I yeah. really, really do. Thank you. I love a success, success story, particularly when I see a Paisan and the East Coast mm-hmm. guy. It, you know, you don't know what it does. It's a sense of national pride. It's a sense of one of, like, one of my own, mm-hmm. you know, hitting a home run, you know. You know, becoming Babe Ruth for a moment in time. 
Yeah, we you love know? Babe Ruth. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. Or one of my favorite soap opera actors too. Like, no, don't do that. Like, you know, like, <laughs> did you really do that? And like, and he's right in front of me, right here. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, you watched yeah. the show? Yes. Oh. Oh, for a yeah. long time, I'm like, oh no! <laughs> Thank you. She oh, yeah. very passionate about stuff. I, I love you. soap operas. Yes, it's my favorite. Oh, uh, that's great, Pitfall. You know, it was, it was interesting. In in uh, the General Hospital it was a great, great job. But I hated the way they killed my character off. I know. I was like, no. Oh. I, I was like in tears. You had. We had a lot of us like. Mom, did you just see that? <laughs> uh, thank yeah, you. Tell you. Tell your mom. Thank you. Oh, I will definitely. Absolutely. We have uh, our friend Leon Barfield. Tell them about oh, tell them about me getting <laughs> talked to for. Listen to this. Our friend Leon works at a senior care facility. They called him down to the to the principal's <laughs> office, the administrator's office in this facility. Now here's the man. Leon is you know in his middle to late sixties. And they scolded him for playing a Lenny Bruce tape in the, in the facility. Now, these people don't know. They don't care because half of them are you know, shot anyway. But, you know, when you get when you get called down to the principal's office in 2023 for playing Lenny Bruce, then something's really wrong. Well, right. to me, to me, that's how, oh, he said 56. I'm sorry, Leon. I mean, <laughs> well, to me, to me, first of all, they should be thanking Leon for playing the record absolutely but, but second of all when yeah. i when i hear when i hear something's really wrong i think i think the opposite i think if if he's getting in trouble for listening to lenny something's really right you know absolutely Lenny's still bravo, here baby. Yes. bravo i'll tell you what speaking of listening to something let's listen to words from our sponsor this is our first set of breaks folks we'll be right back just wanted to start a business when something surprising happens Today, I'm going to teach you how to crochet. She started crocheting, like a lot, and her friends noticed. Jess, you need to sell those. So, she signed up for Shopify and started building her business. Yes, I love that. And after a lot of hard work, this happened. Oh my gosh, I just made my first sale! You see, every day, hundreds of businesses get their first sale on Shopify. We got dang. And the next could be you. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life and become your own boss, build it on Shopify. Step one, train the people only to consume. Step two, infiltrate adults with the news. Step three, indoctrinate the children through the schools and the music and the apps on the phones that they use. Step four, separate the right from the left. Step five, separate the white from the black. Step six, separate the rich from the poor. Use religion and equality to separate them more. Step seven, fabricate a problem made a lie. Step eight, put it on the news every night. Step nine, when people start to fight and divide, take control. This is called situational design. And we're back with America's Best Podcast. What's the buzz? I'm Angelo Mad Dog DeCipio, joined by the Pitbull Amelia, Pitbull Chapman. Tonight, our very special guest, television and film actor, Ronnie Marmo, and how he became Lenny Bruce. So let's talk to, when we last left off, Ron. Let's talk a little bit about the writing process. Um, I'm sure you went through a couple of drafts, as most writers do. Um, talk to me about 
the joys of it, the pain of it. Um, did you ever run into what they call writer's block? Uh, and, and if so, how did you handle that? How did you handle the overall writing process? Was it cathartic for you? Well, it's interesting. You know, when I write something like this, I don't sit down at a keyboard and just hope it all comes out. I kind of like piece it together and receive it over time. This play took me five years to write. And yeah, some, I, I sometimes I would put it down for six months. Yeah. I had nothing to say. And I was like, I don't know what to say. I just gonna put that. And then I would get hit with a lightning bolt and I'd go, Oh, oh, let me get back at it. And then and then I would, you know, and so, but yeah, it was cathartic in a lot of ways, to be honest, because there were so many similarities between my life and Lenny's, my love for my daughters, his love for his daughter, my yeah. love for my mom, his love for his mom. Uh fighting for something that's important. We've all done that in our life for different sure. things. And if we haven't, we should. Uh, and Absolutely. so I was able to like get inside this in a way where it feels like 90 minutes of therapy every night in some ways, you know? Oh, God bless you. I would, I, I would pay for that. <laughs> it's, really, it's really good. In fact, when I was, when I was uh, during the pandemic for a year and a half, when I didn't get to do it, I felt a very different energy. I, I was like, just like kind of tense and stressed. And then when I got to do it, it was like this release. There's like this, I don't know. It's very cathartic. Like you said. Yeah. So, Ron, um, you mentioned a couple things. I want to take a few things one at a time. Um, the process of writing it is very much cathartic for people who do write. Um, because in anything, and I've written two books, in anything that you write, there's a piece of you in it. In addition to your physical resemblance to Lenny, because you do kind of favor him a bit. The one thing that Lenny is known for, uh, be, besides his unique appearance, because he had kind of this everyday guy on the street appearance, and that wasn't the norm on television back in the late 50s, early 60s. They were looking for the beautiful people, and mm. Lenny was kind of like a street guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the other thing that he was most known for, and I want to talk to you about this, his voice. One of the things I said in my review was brilliantly inflected. How did you get that at the at the end of every Lenny sentence, there was this this inflection that either made the line or made the joke or caught or, or captured or got your attention. How did you what where did you find his voice? You know, his, his literal voice. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it's interesting because when I first took on this project, I was nervous because I, I don't do impressions. I'm not I'm not an impressionist. So I was like, I don't want to just imitate someone. You know, it's like there's an Elvis. I don't want to be that guy. So, so I'm like, how do I authentically find myself in him and find him in me kind of thing? And so I listened to everything I could get my hands on. I watched everything I get my hands on. I read everything. And then one day I just kind of started talking and I felt it. And uh, yeah, it was interesting. You know, at first I was like, is this too much? Am I putting on too much? And then I would listen. And then finally I just, I, I, I lived in it for, you know, a couple of months. I would just talk like that only so I could find the, the authentic truth of it. And then I just kept throwing it away and getting it simpler and simpler. And then one day I just woke up and it just was. And so I feel really, uh, you know, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. People like it. It's it's 
Yeah, it's Lenny was Everybody very Everybody has a favorite Lenny line. What's your favorite Lenny line? One line from whatever routine. Well, it changes all the time, but the, I'll give you one today. My favorite one today is uh let me tell you the truth. The truth is what is and what should be is a fantasy. You know, that's oh, that's one of my God, favorites. I love that. Mm -hmm. oh. The yeah. truth is what is and what should be what should be is a fantasy. That's one. I got a million of them. You know, he was, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, what can I tell you? That's beautiful. I love yeah, my yeah. favorite, you know, my favorite of the moment is, will Elizabeth Taylor be bar mitzvah? I love that. <laughs> that one was funny. It's just something classic about that. Of course, it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. Let's take a look at Lenny Bruce and Ron Marmo. Take a look at this. Commercial comedian of all time. Will Elizabeth Taylor become Bar Mitzvah? <laughs> now, Joe Montaigne is directing a play about him. I am not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce at Theater 68 in L.A. Actor Ronnie Marmo as Lenny. Then I got arrested in San Francisco for saying... No, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that ten-letter hyphenated word. It's an obligation to tell his story and not try to muck it up with any Hollywood baloney and just kind of do what he did and, and try to, you know, pay respect to that. I say, fuck, he writes something down. I say, fuck, he writes something down. <laughs> just to test my theory. I said, go fuck your mother, you can't suck and fuck. And he manages to write a small novella on the back of a bar. <laughs> uh, there's not a, you can't even hear a pin drop when I do these few bits in the show. And I know... It fuels me because I try to put myself where Lenny was in 1964 doing this material, which was shocking, really shocking then, and, and is really shocking today, actually. It's the suppression of the word that gives it the power. The violence, the viciousness. Um, uh, Catholic, uh, asshole, uh, shit, um, in a park, uh, and then tits, and then shit, and then Catholic, and then Jews, and then shit. <laughs> Uh, that, uh, that's, uh, I don't remember the entire act, John, but that's the general sentiment of the act. I am not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce gives theater goers an eye-opening look at the life of a comedian many people considered one of the best stand-up comics of all time, but a definite wild card who walked a dangerous line. What's the worst thing you could say to somebody? Ah, fuck you, mister! Which is really weird, man, because if I really wanted to hurt you, I should say, Unfuck you, mister. Because <laughs> fuck you is real. That's brilliant. That That's last funny. line. Did you write that? No, that was, was a that Lenny. A Lenny, that, was a Lenny that was a Lenny. That was a Lenny. I don't that was remember Lenny. hearing that. I, I, that's why I'm asking because I, I, I know a lot of his material and I don't ever recall hearing that before. I'm still discovering stuff all the time. You know, it's so funny to watch that footage because that footage was from six years ago when I opened the show. So I watched that. I cringe. I'm like, oh, the show's grown so much since that. It's hard to watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm going to give you more of the cringe. Yeah. Take a look at this, Ron. <laughs> oh, we think about Carlin and Pryor and all these guys, but out Lenny, they don't exist. And actually, if you don't know Carlin and Pryor, you know Louis C.K., Chris Rock, all these guys. Right. And he just, you know, it's amazing how this man was arrested and sentenced multiple times oh many times for breaking the law for his use of dirty words and uh, he fought freedom of speech to the supreme court and and lost you know guys 
like being terrified, guys like you, because I have things to say. Things that cats like you don't want to hear when they stick your fucking fingers in your ears. You know, I'm not just talking for myself, man. I'm talking for every single American who's raised up with the notion they can say whatever it is they want to say. How is this freedom? Please, please don't take away my words. And that was the essence of Lenny Bruce. Yeah. And that happened, by the way. People yeah. don't realize that happened in a courtroom. He was literally, and you know, for those of you who don't know what actually happened, he was literally in his underwear in a courtroom, his, a shirt, underwear, and a pair of socks, literally begging a judge not to take his words from him. People no, don't understand that. Yeah, but yeah, no. Is it painful for you, Ronnie, to recreate that? It, it is in a lot of ways because it's like I never want to, I never want to like, you know, schmaltz it up. Like, I, you know, it's like I want to play the truth. You know, I, I see other Lenny impersonations or over the years and people tend to go towards the, the bitter, angry guy at the end of his life. But he was so much more than that, you know, and I, I never I. It, it's painful because I couldn't believe he got arrested for saying words. And there's an argument I make in the play as Lenny that he made. And it's a big argument with the judge. And Joe Montaigne, by the way, plays the voice of the judge. So I have this big scene with Joe in the play. And he says, if a stripper goes into a public park and she shakes her hips, that ain't legal. I could dig that. He said, but if she does it somewhere private and those who are there are paying to see her naughty bits, well, that's legal. He said, so if people are paying to see my act, uh, they're, they're putting their butts in those chairs under their own free will. Why is that illegal? They're not in the public. I'm not in the public bar cramming my act on people's mm -hmm. throats. I'm just, I'm just like the stripper. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was a crazy thing that it, it was so simple yet so horrifying that they arrested him because yeah. they didn't like the content. I mean, it's ridiculous. Sure. Amelia, questions for Ronnie Marmo. Yeah, because like you were saying, it's nothing like it is now today. It's a lot worse than it is now. And, and to me, when I heard him, I was like, wow, he got arrested for that. I mean, he paved the way for like somebody like Andrew Dice Clay and Sam, oh, yeah. and Sam Kennison. Oh, I mean, because I heard a lot of Andrew Dice Clay in that. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And I saw that and I thought, wow. And do you see yourself uh, maybe making a, a motion picture movie of his life in the future? Well, uh, yes, maybe. I uh, Is it something you can talk about, Ron? Well, I can't talk about it, especially with you, because I don't know who's giving you information. <laughs> you, you can get... tell me secretly. I'm, <laughs> I'm like an octopus, brother. I got fingers out there. You're, you're like, I don't know where you get the footage. I don't Somebody know could I'm... be sleeping with the fishes. No, I'll, I'll, I'll come clean. I'll come clean. I'll tell you. Um, it was a bootleg copy that was provided to me. Um, very raw, not edited whatsoever. A lot of it was just rehearsal stuff. Um, but it was enough of of a package that I got to see what the the, the gist of the show was. And like Straight I up. said, that was six years ago. I wish you could see it now. I mean, that's... Uh, I would love to. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. We're talking about coming back to Jersey, so stay tuned. I might come back to Jersey... Uh, and do the show. And I was just in Tampa. I just played the Straz Theater. In, oh, in Tampa, wow. Oh, which man. Is 20, yeah, it's 20 wow. minutes from you. I have a lot of family in uh, Clearwater. 
Oh, wow, it's not okay. too far from me. Yeah, yeah beautiful. First cousins. Yeah, but no, it's it's super cool, and, I, and I'm proud of it, and uh, it's growing into something beautiful, and I hope to take it uh, onto the screen as well, but one step at a time. We, we've got some things we're working on. Oh, that's Ronnie Marmo is an award-winning writer, producer, actor, and director. Ron, let's talk about uh, aside from because you know you've done much more in your career than than just Lenny. Absolutely. That's what you're you we're talking about, Lenny, tonight as a general subject. But I want to talk to Ronnie Marmo about Ronnie Marmo. So let's talk about uh, what the what gave you this notion that you could even act, and what gave you this idea that you might. Be pretty good at it. Uh, were you a young guy, like maybe hanging around the neighborhood, you know, showing off to the friends, uh, impressing the girls? Uh, <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I can say soap operas. Now, look, because hey, that's what it was for me. <laughs> I, I was soap operas. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I don't know about all that. You know, it was funny. I was grow growing up, and I, I was born in Brooklyn, raised mostly in Jersey. And, uh, you know, full-blooded Italian family. My my father wasn't around all that much when I was younger. So my mother, like, her and I got real close, of course. And she she would take me to these plays, you know. And I'd see these plays and I'd be like, wow, I can't believe it. And she, I can't believe the people are there and the actors are there in the audience. And she'd say, after the play, she'd say, you should do it. And so look how you get when you see this guy. I said, nah, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't know. And then she she died. At, uh, she was fifty three, and I was twenty four. I think she was a young woman. Oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. And so when she died, I was like, "What am I doing? Like, I, I do want to do it. I do want to do that." And so I said, "The worst has happened in my life now. So the rest is gravy. So let me go do something I really want to do." And so I, I kind of put myself out there in a few different ways, and eventually uh, got some opportunities and. And then I was like, wait, maybe I'm pretty good at this. I don't know. And so, you know, a lot of times when you have my face, you know, you put you, a lot of times you play, you know, Vinny, put him in the trunk, you know, you hey, play. This, okay. <laughs> you understand? You know how many Vinnies I have on my resume? Like, you know how many Nunzios I played? Come on. <laughs> so you understand what I mean? Give me a so, break over here. <laughs> so, so, you know, I always knew that I was a decent actor, mm -hmm. but like, Mm -hmm. yeah. The idea to get to do stuff that is, you know, on another level, and you go, wait, it's actually making me the material's making me a better actor, and that that's that's exciting. a very good point. That's a yeah. real good point. Mm -hmm. um, when you're starting out in this business, um, are you picky? Do you have to be choosy about what you do, or do you just take the Ronnie whatever comes your way? You know, when I first started out, it was like, pick me, please pick me. I'll do it. I'll play a tree, whatever you need me to do. Um, and then eventually, you know, you, you hope you start to go, wait a minute. You know, casting directors, agents, they smell fear. They smell desperation. So, yeah. like, start to seek out things that you want to be a part of, you know. Start to seek out things that that you have somehow have a connection to. And I, I do believe that we bring things to us uh, by putting certain energy out to the world. And so... So I, I no longer pick just anything offered to me. I mean, I, you know, I, I tend to say no to a lot of things because my priorities are my wife, my daughters, you know, my work is definitely a priority, but it's got to mean something to me. I, I can't just show up and go, Sarge, phone call, just for no reason, you know. Yeah. It's got to mean, yeah. mean something. So, and this, the show doing Lenny, 
what's made it difficult about doing the show is that it's kind of spoiled it for everything else because like this is like the work i want to do and so yeah it's hard to take no and i do take those other jobs you know i still i still have health insurance for, mm-hmm. you know, i still got things i got to take care of i got a question for you honest answer straight up honest answer preference theater television or film theater where, where are you alive theater it's hands down Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful. Theater, you know but and that's the toughest way to make a living which is the problem so um yeah. i do love film and i do love television they all have their own specific art forms i think they all need to be respected differently like if you're a theater actor my first movie is so embarrassing because i was like talking with my hand you know i didn't know how to be a film actor so you have to learn how to do those things uh, so I love them all three equally, but if if I had to pick one and I could just go ahead and make a living, I, it would be on the stage. You know? Questions, Amelia? Absolutely. What do you think of now that the actors have to go on strike as well? Yeah. Well, well I am one of them, and we did go on strike today, and just before mm-hmm. I got on with you, I watched yeah. Fran yeah. Drescher's speech, and uh, mm-hmm. and I'm proud to uh, that, that we're willing to fight for something. I mean, Absolutely, yes. The streaming, the streaming destroyed our business in a lot yeah. of ways. I know for viewers, they watch yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's really hurt the business because, um, you know, we live off residuals. You know, we oh. Ronnie, can we talk about that a little bit? How does, and for people who don't understand, how does the residual system work? Well, and, and why does the streaming element of it super or bypass the residual process well i i don't know why it does i think that's what we're trying to get to the bottom of now mm-hmm. so i feel like that the streaming happened so fast that maybe there were certain provisions mm-hmm. left out of the deals of the kind i don't know why it doesn't yeah but i can tell you how the normal um uh residuals work is that you know you do you do a movie you do a whatever i remember my first big residual I did a movie called uh, Crocodile Dundee in L.A. It was the third mm-hmm. one or whatever, the fourth one, whatever it was, the last one. Yeah. And I remember getting a, a check in my P.O. box a couple of months down the road, and it was for a lot of money. Yeah. And I was nervous. And so I called them. I go, I think you sent me the wrong money. <laughs> I go, I I'm uncomfortable taking your money. They go, no, no, that's for you. I go, that's for me? They go, yeah, it's mm-hmm. residual. You know, that happened to somebody, yeah. Amelia and I know. That happened mm-hmm. to our friend, Danny Lopez. Yes. Who, who, by the way, is on strike. He's on strike, too. He was just announcing He gets it. to yeah. Colorado. He gets mm-hmm. to Colorado, gets off the plane, goes to the set. We're on strike, fellas. And it's like, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> yep. They shut down production. He wasn't there an hour. They yeah. shut down production. It's, it's no writers, no actors. It's a tough break, and that's why I even feel more blessed with Lenny because the the this uh, you know SAG has nothing to do with stage, and so we're yeah. you know getting to do the Lenny Bruce show, especially at this really difficult time for actors. At yeah. least I have that, but but I am fighting with the actors because you know this is how we make a living. I mean, it's 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 hard to make a living already in showbiz, like. You know the people at the top are greedy, and you know they got to share without oh, yeah. without the actors of anything. Yeah. Well, there's a, isn't there kind of a double-edged sword here? I mean, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about, particularly in the theater. 
Uh, anyone that's gone to New York recently to see a play, you got to, you know, you have to take a bank loan, uh, uh, kind of a bank loan out, really, to go see a play. It's going to cost you for, uh, you know, a husband, wife, and maybe two kids. It's going to cost you fifteen hundred dollars, maybe two grand, for a show. What show are you going to? Well, I mean, look at a, a show like, for example, one that just closed, Lion King. Um, we're looking at, you know, $250, $275 a ticket. That's a lot of money. You got you got you got terrible connections, man, dog. I can get you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm look, I don't I got no connections in the theater. Film and TV, different story. It, it, it's certainly costly to go to a show. Two fifty. That those are Hamilton prices. So I don't know about the Lion King. I mean, I'm sure you could get a nice ticket for your, you know, for your family, seventy nine dollars or something like that. Uh, but it, it's expensive. But it's not. It's not that. It's not fifteen hundred dollars expensive. It's not. So I was going to say because there, <laughs> some of these prices, and I'm not even bullshitting you. Some of the prices are so inflated, you're scared to even look at them. I'm yeah, admitting, if, if I'm if you were none of this up. I really yeah, am. No, I understand. But if you were a producer on the other end and you see what it takes to make it go, that's the number they need to do the show. Well, so, let's talk about that. You know, it's it's very expensive to produce a Broadway show. You're talking about live actors, real sets. Uh, you may or may not have a full house on any given night. You may have 30 people in the in a an 800 seat theater, or you may have all 800 people. But it's a, it's a crapshoot, isn't it? Live theater. Absolutely, and it's even worse now with COVID. You know, we really took a beating. I mean, the the theater seems to be the last thing back. Um, yeah. And we're, I mean, I'm doing okay. We tour Lenny, and people show up, and it's wonderful. Oh, sure. But to give you an example, I mean. Before the pandemic, we would have probably done seven or eight shows in a city, and now we do two or three. Yeah, and so it's just a different thing now. And and you know, that's one of the frustrations I have about the streaming sites is that it kind of forget the money for a second. It educated people in a different way that they don't even have to leave their house for entertainment. And yeah, theaters suffer for that. You know, Ronnie is the show playing uh, in L.A now the show we, we're back up uh, i'm on tour now i happen to be in la and i'm happy to say that i'm playing uh, august 17th 18th and 19th at the laguna playhouse in, in laguna california it's beautiful 400 seat theater first class so i'm in laguna in august september i'm in chicago again for the third time beautiful. 900 seat theater uh and then uh october i'm in houston uh, December, I'm in San Diego. If people go to LennyBruceOnStage.com, that's mm -hmm. where you get all the info. We're constantly putting updates. As we book cities, we put them on there. You know. So, uh -huh. how often do you get to the East Coast? Well, I used to come a lot, and I, I miss it. I mean, I'm a New Yorker and New Jersey guy through and through. But um, now that I spend time touring to these other cities. It's less time that I can just go for a visit to New York because I can't take that time away. My daughter's 15. Mm -hmm. and uh, I gotcha. And I yeah. can't miss it. You know, I hate missing a oh, day. No. Yeah, oh, no. Especially sure. now in school, especially if they're going to be in sports, you want to go to all the games. The whole thing. Like yeah, no. Well, she's in choir. So it's oh, all. Oh, I like, loved choir when I was yeah, in school. She's, yes. she's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so, that, so to me, it's like 
I don't have a lot of extra time anymore because that time I used to devote to go to New York, I now go on tour and then come home to my, my daughter and my family. So it is LennyBruceOnStage.com for information. We will be right back with actor Ronnie Marmel right after this. Amelia? Yes. Your favorite commercial, young lady. Oh, no. (laughs) Do you have sweaty balls or volleyball netty balls? It's time to make them ready balls. The Manscaped.com Lawnmower 3.0 will do the job. And clean your knob with its patented no-nick head, so your head will function as desired. Enter promo code WRESTLINGFUTURE for a generous 20% discount. That's enter WRESTLINGFUTURE for a 20% discount. Manscaped.com and Wrestling with the Future, going balls to the walls with Manscaped.com. And the Lawnmower 3.0, your balls will thank you. And so will we. What's Buzz Podcast wants to welcome Radioactive FM 88.6 in Wellington, New Zealand, Radio Perth, Australia, and RTL Radio 102.5 in Milan, Italy. Welcome aboard, and welcome to the Buzz. What's the Buzz? America's Best Popcast is back, and we are live and uncensored with actor Ronnie Marmo. I am the Mad Dog. Joined as I am each and every week by the Pitbull tonight, actor, television film actor Ronnie Marmo. He is also the man who breathed life into Lenny Bruce. The show is not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. Directed brilliantly by Emmy Award winning actor Joe Mantagna. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the things Lenny did on stage to garner retention. I have a couple of clips I want to show you. One was quite poignant, uh, and the other, in its own way, was was interesting. But I want to show you something you're probably very familiar with, uh, Ronnie. Let's take a look at this first. Words to come really make you feel uncomfortable. If you think I'm right for saying them to you, if you, the beholder, think it's right for listening to, you probably can't come. And then you're of no use. Because that's the purpose of life. To recreate it. After four years, why I got arrested so many times. See what happened. It's been a comedy of errors. Here's how it happened. I do my act at perhaps uh, 11 o'clock at night. Little do I know that 11 a.m. the next morning before the grand jury somewhere, is another guy doing my act who's introduced as Lenny Bruce in substance. <laughs> Here he is, Lenny Bruce in substance. A peace officer who is trained for to recognize clear and present dangers, not make believe, does the act. The grand jury watches him work and they go, that stinks. <laughs> but I get busted. And the irony is that I have to go to court and defend his act. Interesting, is it not? I want to I wanna follow up on kind of what Lanny said. Um, we live today in a strange world of censorship, um, mixed meaning, uh, social media where 
Uh, oftentimes, voices and faces are not seen and heard, but uh, you're relying upon words on a, a text, uh, on a phone or on a computer screen. In a time when people don't speak to each other, but yet people are often easily offended by something someone else says, how would Lenny have fared in today's social environment? Having played him and gotten into his head a little bit, I want to ask you in substance to uh, act as Lenny Bruce and kind of give me an inside his brain look. You know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, you know, obviously now it used, it used to mean something to be a journalist. And now everyone thinks they're a journalist, right? Everyone thinks their opinion matters. Nobody cares. You don't see my opinion too much out there because nobody cares, except you think you care. So, uh, so I would say, you know, it, it'd be very difficult. I mean, I have a feeling Lenny, here's what I loved about Lenny. He wasn't shocked for shock value. He genuinely meant what he was saying. He wasn't like, okay, as a comic or as just, a, you know, a guy saying, well, let me see what I could come up with. So I'm, you know, radical or I'm, you know, what's my brand? What's my shtick? He yeah. didn't have any, it wasn't his thing. It was just the truth. And so now it's like you see all these people uh, hiding behind a keyboard and it's, uh, okay. it's not good. I think Lenny would be pretty disappointed about it. And quite honestly, I mean, I think he'd be pretty embarrassed about the state of the country in a lot of ways. I mean, in some ways yeah. we've progressed, in many ways we've regressed. And, uh, well, it's interesting. Thank you for going right there because one of the things Lenny was – uh, an advocate of, to, I mean, to the point where it killed it, literally killed him. It, he died before he died. And I'll explain why I say that. What killed Lenny was his inability to speak his words, his thoughts, what was important to him. That killed him. And then there was the physical death, which, yeah. quite frankly, that's a rabbit hole we can go down. I don't think Lenny killed himself. I think somebody did the deed for him. Um, but that's a, that's a subject for another show. But be that as it may, it took the literal and figurative life out of his body. He more than anything, I believe, wanted to speak and be heard. We all want to be heard now. You pointed it out just a moment ago. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody wants to be heard. Amelia and I, quite frankly, we don't give a shit who listens to us or not. We know that people do, judging by our numbers, which yes. are in the, the tens of millions, quite frankly. And we're very proud of that. But people have, you know, again, with like with anything else, people have grown to accept us. Why did that not happen with Lenny Bruce? Why was he not accepted? Well, because he was the first guy, and the first guy is never accepted. There's always somebody who steps over the line, then they got to make a new line. That's why Carlin was accepted. Yeah. Carlin you know was what? accepted. You know, Lenny, there's always that first guy who takes takes the heat, takes the fall, and then, and then George yeah. Carlin comes along and he benefits. You understand? Somebody always has to be martyred. Every yeah. time. You know, somebody, and then they rewrite the line. They make the line somewhere new, and then somebody yeah. steps over it. But think about Carlin's life. I mean, the oh, seven thirty words, the seven thirty words, and all the stuff he did. 
I mean, if you listen to Lenny's act, you go, oh, I see the influence, you know. Yeah. Oh, God, absolutely. Well, yeah. George Carlin and Richard Pryor both openly admitted that Lenny Bruce was a major influence on their careers. That's a huge influence. Yes. But, we, you know, I mentioned in, in my opening, um, there were a couple other guys. Uh, guys whose names you know and have been around a long time. They're all gone now. But guys like Mort Saul, yeah. guys like Maury Amsterdam from the Dick Van Dyke Show, of all things. People don't realize this, but Maury Amsterdam, in addition to being a dirty burlesque performer, was it had quite a potty mouth on him when he did his nightclub routine. Right. But because he was accepted in a certain venue, they all knew him. It was okay. Right. It was socially acceptable because he was a name. Fat Jackie Leonard, who you know was a legend in the Catskills and among the you know Jewish comics. Um, one of my favorites, in fact, was Dirty Man. It was Dirt Red Fox. Let's look at Red Fox. Those blue albums, man. Dirty stuff. Well, Red yeah, Fox was saying shit back in the day that would get you arrested in some places. Well, Lenny, Lenny. The reason I think Lenny took the heat. I mean, there were guys like Fox doing blue material, but they weren't doing in mainstream clubs. And I think that was the thing. Lenny was becoming a mainstream name. And, and he and he was pushing the envelope in a way where, you know, there's a story about I, I spoke to Lenny's lawyer who's still alive. And I said, so tell me about he saw the show and he was blown away and we spent some time together. And I said, so tell me what really happened. You know, and he said it, it wasn't so much the words that that got him in trouble. It was that he was the smartest guy in the room. And then he did this bit about Jackie Kennedy and he did a whole bit about Jackie Kennedy saying, let me tell you the truth. The truth is what is and what should be is a fantasy. Basically saying that when she was, he, he had a Time magazine and, and Kennedy was on the cover and he made a whole shtick about saying like, listen, I know you're saying that she was running to get help when she was leaning out of the car, but maybe she was just scared and she was trying to get the hell out of there. So don't tell my daughter that she's a bad girl if she's scared and she runs. So he did this whole thing about Jackie Kennedy. Yeah. And then the cops were like, okay, that's enough. Let's arrest you. Yeah. You're not going to talk about Jackie Kennedy like that. And so I think that was the bottom line. I mean, it's like, yeah, the the words mattered, but I think they were more the excuse. And uh, yeah. the smartest guy, you know? Here's a question you know, that people often don't give thought to. I thought a lot about this, in fact, Ronnie. Uh, how much did television hurt Lenny? How much television hurt Lenny? Yeah, as I, I have this theory that television did him more damage than good. Well, he didn't do a lot of television, you know, because there wasn't a lot of opportunities for him. Steve Allen really loved right. him. And, yeah, and Steve Allen, Hugh Hefner. Well, him and Hef were very close friends. And uh, Hef, uh, I have a letter that Lenny wrote to Hef that I have in my possession now. And Lenny said thanking Hef for the for the bail money and you know, right? Yeah, <laughs> really, it's really wild. He said thank you for for the money for the lawyer, yeah. and so he it's a cool letter I have. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he didn't get a ton of uh, opportunity on television because they kept wanting to censor him, and he kept saying, "Let me just do my act," you know. Yeah, and they didn't. They, well, they didn't like it. That's the, that's why I bring it up. I I think it did him more when you watch. That Steve Allen show, the routine he did, 
That laughter to me, Ron, sounded like nervous laughter. It didn't sound like genuine ha-ha funny laughter. Oh. Is there a, does it make a difference? Is there a difference? Am I am I making too much of it? Uh is there a difference between the laughter and the audience? Like how how a performer takes that? Or? Yeah, I mean, is it is there a difference between nervous laughter and like ha ha laughter? Well, I see it every night. I mean, when I look in the audience, I, you know, I just played Toronto a few weeks ago, and they're the kindest, nicest people I ever met in my life. And and sometimes that's not as good for the show, you know. I, I <laughs> so, you know, um, I always say the audience is my scene partner. And uh, and I need you to go on that ride with me. And they were fabulous. Uh, and they stood up at the end, which is all you hope for. But some people are more vocal and some people yeah. aren't. And so as a performer, when I get the ha-ha laugh, that opens a certain box in me. But when I get the nervous laugh, that even opens up a more exciting box for me. Beautiful. Then, then I feel like Lenny and I feel like I want to explore and see why they feel that way. Exactly. Amelia, questions for Ronnie. Uh, has, speaking of when you get the audience involved, has there ever been one an audience member that you've had to got into in a fight with before? Uh, I'm pretty good at controlling the, the audience with how I want it to go. There are a couple of spots in the show I leave a little room for improv. So uh, in the in the audience. And so but then I wouldn't say a fight, but there were a few times when I had to kind of straighten somebody up pretty quick. So they got back in line so we could finish the show, you know? So uh, I wouldn't say I went as far as got heckled. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of times where people thought they were a little overzealous about their participation. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's always somebody who wants to be part of the show. So in other words, I'll I'll sit in the front row, right? (laughs) Of course you will. (laughs) I hope you do. I hope you get to see it. Absolutely. Please let us know. I'll tell you what, Ronnie, I hope you bring it to the East Coast. I really do. Yes. I'll let you guys both know, and I'll make sure you guys have both your emails. I'll make sure that you're on the mailing list so you know what we're doing. You know? Yeah, oh, I will Thank send – I'll tell you what. I'm going to send everything to uh, our friend Janelle, mm-hmm. okay, uh, at um, that website that we have. Yeah. And uh, I'll take care of that. I'll send – Yeah, make sure Janelle has everything because I want to make sure you guys stay uh, abreast of the what we're doing and where we are, and uh, mm-hmm. also have you guys live in the audience. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh sure, absolutely. Um, one of the things I want to leave everybody uh, at the end of the show. I'm going to leave everyone with one of my favorite Lenny routines, but uh, it's called "All Alone," and I should, and I know that you know it. You know, I, it well. do, I do it in the show. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Um, before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit on a serious note about Kitty Bruce. I know Kitty is not well right now, um, and she needs a little help from our friends. So um, go ahead and make that pitch for uh, for Kitty. Well, yeah, Kitty's struggling a little bit. She had some back issues, and she was in the hospital for a while. And you know, the, the doctor bills are just over the top, and. And so we're all, we're all pulling together to try to help her. We've got Kelly Carlin, Dan Pasternak. You know, we got all these incredible comics and people. Um, and so if you go to my Facebook, Ronnie Marmo Facebook, I think I'm public. And you go on there and you scroll down a little bit, you'll see a, a fundraiser for Kitty. Uh, we're getting together this Sunday as well, a group of us having this little private event where we're going to pass a hat and try to raise more money and help her uh I love her. You know, she's like a sister to me yeah. to, to be trusted with this uh, material 
is something I'll never take lightly, you know, I mean, to play her dad and be trusted with that. But, but if you can help, if you have a few bucks, I would be beyond grateful. Uh, uh, maybe I'll send you guys, make sure you guys have the link. You could share it with, yeah. with the, uh, please. We'll with put it on our page. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, every Amelia, dollar. Do you have that? Do you have that link, Amelia? No, but I will get, I'll go to his page and get that. Absolutely. Yeah. Just throw out a couple of, a couple of posts. I put it up a few days ago. Um, and, uh, thank you for that because I really want to help Kitty. She's always there to help. Everybody. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I want everybody to know the website for everything. All things. Lenny Bruce is Lenny Bruce.org. It's the only officially recognized website by Lenny's daughter, Kitty Bruce. Uh, and uh, any, facsimile that looks remotely close to that is not it's the only one lennybruce.org endorsed by kitty bruce uh lennybruceonstage.com that's ronnie marmo the actor director and writer i'm sorry the actor and writer sorry joe <laughs> the, actor, the actor and writer who brought lenny bruce to life on stage i'm not a comedian i'm lenny bruce uh, you got to see the show. It's remarkable. And Ron Marmo is an amazingly talented actor. Um, you could, you know, I have your sizzle reel, brother. I think yeah, I want to show it. Don't show it to anybody else. That was six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. I, I just taped the performance a couple of weeks ago. Let me cut together a little piece. I'll, I'll make sure you guys get it so you can oh, see beautiful. it. Thank you. That Thank great. You. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Ronnie, you've been an amazing guest tonight. I am mm -hmm. stoked to have you. I told Janelle that I was stoked that you were coming on the show. Me too. Amelia and I uh, could not. We can't thank you enough mm -hmm. for being thank here. Uh, anything that you want to promote before we leave? Mm -hmm. uh, just that's it. You know, I, I'm really focused on Laguna. So if you have any California watchers and listeners... Maybe they oh, come yeah, out absolutely. Laguna Playhouse, which is a great. And Lenny Bruce on stage, you'll get all the info. And uh, and there's even a place on the website to sign up and throw your uh, email so we could let you know where we're going in the future. So, All right. For Amelia Pitbull Chapman, for Ronnie Marmo, I am Angelo, the Mad Dog Discipio. And we will see you next time on America's Best Popcast. What's the buzz? And we're going to leave a little differently tonight. Oh, a joy to be all alone. I'm happy alone, don't you see? I've convinced you. I don't know, I get so dramatic about it. You're better off alone, man. I got it. That's it. I'm going to get a whole bunch of new suits. You know, I've had the same dumb suit for 10 years. You walk in her closet, you can't even breathe. That's it. I'll get a whole bunch of suits. I'll get a chick that likes to hang out, man. I'll get a. I'll have the vodka parties. That's modern vodka parties. Swing it up, ball it up. I'll get a chick. I'll get a chick who likes to drink. Boy, my wife sure used to look good standing up against this thing. She's the lowest, though. I really put her down. No, no, I really miss her. I don't want some sharp chick that can quote Kerouac and walk with poise. I just want to hear my old lady say, get up and fix the sink. It's still making noise. All alone. All alone. Like a near-sided dog wears the bone. Ah, but it's better to be all alone.
No more taking out the garbage, hear her yakking on the phone, I gave her everything, even my mother's ring. But to me she was so petty, sometimes I wish that she were dead, but it'd probably take her two hours to get ready. <laughs> when she's old, then she's going to be sorry. That's it. Like, she's young and swinging now, and she can get a lot of guys, but when she's old, I can see her about 20 years from now. How you doing, Annie? I haven't seen you in a long time. You look pretty good, baby. You're still washing your hair with Dutch cleanser, I see. <laughs> yeah, you look good. You gained a few pounds. What happened to your neck? <laughs> I heard you got married a few times, huh? Me? No, I've always stayed single. I, uh... I've been investing in property. I picked up a little place in Mexico. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Acapulco. I don't know. <laughs> Where are you living? A furnished room? That's nice. You cook on the radiator, the paper drapes. <laughs> Sit in the lobby and watch television and all, you know. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. You have the diners club. You sign for you go first class in those joints. I know that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Her future spells a murky gloom. I'll be rich and famous, and she'll be living in a furnished room, but it's going to be too late. I won't hear a moan. I'll be living in my Knob Hill mansion, rich and all alone. All alone. All alone. I'll be rich, but so all alone.